Welcome back to our final and thought-provoking session from the for the Organic and Natural Products Digital Expo. And we have some great sessions. Everyone's been enjoying. Uh, they've been interacting and having a cup of tea in their hand and just uh, taking in all of the information that was being said in the previous sessions. Uh, today and this final session is titled Free From Understanding the Business of Free From Class-Based Vegan and Ethical Consumption. What's really interesting to note, uh, according to Euromonitor, is that the market for health and wellness packaged foods was worth an estimated around 3.9 billion in 2020 and is expected to grow to around 4.6 billion by 2025. Furthermore, the global plant-based meat market hit 18.6 billion in 2019, with the Middle Eastern market accounting for 176.5 million. So we can see that there is a clear rising trend for vegan and plant-based products and also a whole lifestyle that is created around it. So how will this continue? Uh, we're going to discuss with our excellent and expert panelists today. And I'm uh, going to, who I'm going to introduce now. Uh, first we have Ida Gungor, founder of Seva Experience. Uh, with a background education in international relations and politics, followed by learning classical French cuisine at Paul Hooker's Institute, Ida found herself on a self-realization quest that landed her in Dubai six years ago. <coughs> Ida is the founder of Seva Experience and Seva Tables, formerly Life in One, which hosts its first fully plant-based cafe in Dubai since 2015, featured on multiple media outlets such as What's on Dubai. She has a brilliant cafe, everyone. I have tried myself, and it's just the most peaceful and tranquil <laughs> Next, we have Victoria Bolgeson, CEO and founder of Bolt Global. Bolt Global is an international business consultancy and expert solutions provider supporting those businesses operating in the global food, drink, and supplement sector. Victoria is a recognized export ambassador at Chamber International and is a member of the board and international ambassador, United Kingdom, for the Chartered Institute of Marketing. Welcome, the two of you. Thank you. Thank you. So let's get right to it, to the questions. And first, let's start about the important questions of the market. Uh, what has the market been like in the vegan, vegan, sorry, the ethical, vegan, and free from sector during the pandemic? And how far has online and digital played a role during this time? So let's start with Victoria. Yeah, thank you very much, Mineka, and thanks for having me here this afternoon. Uh, it's an absolute pleasure to be a part of this expo and uh, to be discussing some of these topics, which are, are very close to my heart from um, the free from side of things. I think um, to start answering some of your questions there. Um, certainly through through the covid pandemic it's been a difficult time for everybody globally um when we look within um the gulf the gcc in particular in the middle east i think it's fair to say like many um there's been a, a big um i guess consumer um look at how what people are consuming what people are putting into their bodies and really trying to have a healthier lifestyle obviously there's been restrictions of movements quite significantly um so in terms of physical exercise it's been the diet which has certainly led the way of people trying to eat eat a healthier diet look after themselves better so in terms of the categories um without a doubt there's been like you mentioned the plant-based and particularly vegan products which has been a trend already in the market for a while 
and growing. Um, that's certainly been accelerated. And we know of particularly um, within frozen produce, um, some of the retailers really ramping up their offering um, in, in the marketplace due to the fact that they have longer shelf life, healthier products, and that ability then for shoppers who can't always obviously get out and about as frequently being able to have product at home that is good for them, that they can obviously conveniently um, cook and have and consume at home. I think another area to mention certainly where we've seen a lot of uplift has been on the supplement side. We work with a number of supplement brands and certainly um, within immunity, vitamin D, other aspects that we know um, are great for boosting immunity has certainly seen a, a large rise in popularity. And, and on the manufacturing side, a lot of the manufacturers that we know and work with, their order books have been extremely full, busy, very, very high demand um, during this pandemic and continuing on um, so as well. Brilliant. And Ida, what is your opinion on the market um, in the uh, during the pandemic for the sector? Um, very similar to Victoria, to be honest. But um, what we've seen is a value shift. There's a value shift happening. The financial anxiety brought um, a sentiment shift in longevity and also immune support and also again self-care and mood market is growing and also we've seen that people are way more into um, organic foods buying and producing them themselves and also even there is a study done around kimchi the biggest kimchi manufacturer in the world grew 44 percent in the pandemic because it's a fermented superfood um, product um, so we love this value shift shift we were already in it but now this pandemic basically put us in a place that everyone is aware of it so the market is growing exponentially Mm. And I, th I think if we touching on the um, the online space as well, I mean that's obviously been a huge um, acceleration of of the online space digitally. Obviously, um, you know other other markets, the UK and the US, on an e-commerce basic basis are, are sophisticated and that in themselves have also accelerated but if we look at the middle east i think it's fair to say that um it's certainly brought online a lot more opportunities and, and really opened up that channel from a, a grocery perspective as well and some of the big players obviously adapting as quickly as they could starting online uh, which they hadn't historically offered the likes of spinnies having to accelerate their program and getting e-commerce up and running which was in the pipeline but i the, the, the pandemic certainly accelerated that and their ability to then offer their shoppers that comfort of ordering and having home deliveries um, during the time as well. And I think that that's clear to clear to stay as well. Um, we've been working and supporting other other online platforms in the UAE, for example, that are soon to launch in the health and wellness space. Again, a lot more more startups, more entrepreneurs seeing that channel for sure as as one that is a great one to to obviously um, set up, start, and and grow. Yeah, I mean, I think the value of food shopping raised um, by using online um, platforms because people were able to basically read and compare everything and able to learn. They had more time to spend online research. And um, we believe that our relationships to products changed. And especially in Middle East, I'm amazed by how many new local farms that we have and organic produces delivered to also home. It's, it was never this big before. Yeah. And so uh, it's, it's safe to say then and you to conclude that the demand has really increased in this region, right? So why is this so? Um, 
starting with Ida? Yeah, of course. Um, first of all, um, according to, you were saying 3 point something billion, I think, I think but um, according to Harvard Business Review, it's um, the whole self-care, organic, and mood market is like 11 billion uh, dollar industry at the moment. Because wow. um, not only in pandemic brought something big to us, we realized that we are stressed and pandemic just just made us realize that we were stressed and of course added extra pressure. And then what made, um, so then we started to explore ourselves. And most of the people, like 99% of the people thinks that when they change their food, they step into some sort of wellness and health. And so this is what is exactly what happened in Middle East. We live a very fast life, especially in Dubai. Everyone is always busy running around. And of course, most people eat outside a lot. And then when they stayed home, they started to create themselves, like first of all, research and then resources. And then they started to cook and then they started to realize that, oh, this, this tastes better than this, or this color is better than this. And I believe we basically educated ourselves because we had time. And um, and I think this is this also created an exponential growth again because online products at the moment everything is online in Middle East. It wasn't like that. Even the little shop corners, like Insta Shop kind of platforms, and everyone is helping helping also this. Um, it is it is it is growing beautifully, and also it's quite global. So we have access to everything. So I think we are kind of a model United Nations here, <laughs> making our own case studies, and it's working quite well for all of us. For sure, we have so many nationalities here that yeah. <laughs> it, it makes sense to enforce so many of these are also sell them locally. And uh, Victoria, what do you think? Why is the demand increasing? Well, I think like 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 Ida said, really, it's that consciousness of you know we've had to during the pandemic step back, reflect, uh, reflect on our lives, our lifestyles, um, what's been happening, having to like you say, not been able to eat out as usual, and actually having to cook from scratch or look at opportunities for home cooking, and people just taking that time to realize, I think, what's important. And, and obviously within health and wellness, nutritionally wise, that is that is key, you know, looking after your body, looking after your mind as well. Um, and I think off the back of that, you know, there's then been a case of people realizing, actually, I do want to have a healthier lifestyle. I perhaps want to make some changes. I maybe don't want to do what I've done before. Um, and looking at ways in doing so, um, including things like reducing their meat consumption, potentially looking at doing some own home cup cooking, looking at local supply chains, um, where there is now more availability, as Ida said, than there has before on organic farming, local produce. You know, let's not forget, if we take the UAE as an example, very, very diverse with nationalities. And then equally, um, um, a lot of product is obviously imported and, and you know there is a shift now in a sense sense of trying to see what can be done locally um, and you know looking at being becoming a bit more self-sustainable in that sense as well. Before I continue I just want to remind the audience that we have a Q&A section so you can just click on the Q&A section if you have any questions for uh, our family members which we will take uh, in the last half an hour uh, sorry the last 10 minutes. <laughs> Uh, so now moving on, uh, when we're talking about sourcing these products, um, we tend to look at maybe uh, certain countries or uh, we have certain criteria that we look at when we're sourcing them, uh, even locally. So uh, could maybe Victoria, you could start on speaking about that and then we can go on to Ida. Yeah, in terms of, of sort, like I mentioned, you know, the very, very reliant um, on imports um, for products, health and wellness products in general. So in terms of um, 
I guess in terms of the sourcing and the supply chain, we, we did see um, during the pandemic particularly a relaxation of a lot of the rules and regulations around things about date coding, bringing products in with Arabic labelling. So that obviously was during the time something that was critically important to make sure that the food supply chain was maintained and there wasn't any um, any shortages. So I think that was a an interesting to see and also a slight relaxation with some of the registration requirements as well, particularly with supplements. Again, that whole demand and supply making sure that that was still that was still the case i think as i mentioned before i think people are becoming more aware around the sourcing you know where are they getting their products from what's the carbon from footprint that that is providing um and being able to be more environmentally friendly in a number of ways uh, we saw a lot particularly across europe um, you know packaging is something not just the products themselves but packaging is an area that we're seeing a lot of opportunity for becoming more ethical and sustainable um obviously with the pandemic it's been difficult because there's also been the need to protect goods um from from um any any risks there so um i think it's a case of looking at um you know like you say supply chains what they what people are wanting to source where it's available you know where specific products and ingredients can be available from um and doing it in the best possible way and Ida, what do you think about this point I can answer from our relationship with our clients and suppliers here is um, we have a cafe and um, we felt that we were never disconnected to our suppliers and our clients before. So all this pandemic made us connect a lot and we listened to them and not only resource, at the moment nearly everything, like more than 99% of the things we are locally able to resource it in, um, from organic farms. But also the superfoods and things also started to be resourced here. And um, we never had a shortage during the pandemic of um, any vegetable or any superfood that we are using in our in our menu. But um, by everyone um, realizing the power of the plants, of course, helped us a lot, not only the region, but also us, also the small, every small business owner, cafe owners, um, the confidence of the plant power um, started to spread around. And then um, I believe we, uh, the region is doing very well in this. It's very fast growing. And um, our own, the, the local farms that we work with, every week nearly we are there sending us new emails on what they were um, studying or like working on and the new products and they are able to also produce for for us at the moment like when we want certain vegetables they're trying and we're also supporting them to um, expand their resources and um, production so it's beautiful i hope i answered because when we are talking sometimes i'm missing what was the question so <laughs> Uh, could you explain a little how the community has changed over the years? Because I know you've been this for several years. So in the UAE specifically, and how you build such a uh, such a large community of uh, vegan and plant-based uh, people who would prefer that. Um. Yeah, we all want to connect in the end. We are humans who are born with a longing to belong. So this is always in us. And then. What happened in the pandemic is when we couldn't have the human touch and when we couldn't find ourselves um, in places that we meet people, basically we focused on digital platforms to connect. I am not against um, in any digital platform uh, communities, to be honest, because I believe it brought so many like-minded people globally together. For example, if your favorite yoga teacher or a favorite therapist 
um, was giving a seminar or a class, you weren't able to fly to LA or um, fly to London to attend, suddenly, because they also needed to connect, we started to find them online. So we had a very wider reach and um, and I, I, I find it very powerful. Now it's in our hands in which line or through um, which community or digital platform we are going to grow. Uh, brilliant. And when it comes to country, so you would say that you prefer to source locally. Uh, all right. Okay. And uh, uh, what are the trends you see in the sector, in the vegan sector as a whole? So which, which uh, ingredients are trending, which meals are trending? Um, I believe we are all very interested in superfoods at the moment. I mean, it's been a while, I think um, it was growing, but during the pandemic, uh, superfood, especially adaptogenics, the um, um, adaptogenics are herbs which helps your nervous system to adapt when there is stress or mood changes. So like ashwagandhas, um, um, they are very famous at the moment. Most of the healthy line cafes are using it, making superfoods. And like Victoria touched base before that, um, supplements are growing. But now there is more awareness in the markets. Like people are not only buying the supplement, but they are reading if the supplement is pure. Is it from the herbs? Is there any other products in it? Why there are um, price differences that also shows that um, our, our clients, our guests are way more aware than us. And this is why, for example, in SEVA, we listen to our um, clients. We try to learn from them. That's why we don't design anything for them. We try to design things with them um, so that they also help us to grow. So we help them to grow. So it's beautiful. Would you like to um, have a, give a call to Victoria maybe? Yeah, it's fine. Actually, she just said she's joining again. Okay. Uh, so um, I think there was a slight technical problem there. So yeah, we can just wait. <laughs> no problem. Hmm. We hope that she comes back. Ah, there you are. Am I back? Can you hear me now? Yes. <laughs> we were just talking about technology being, I could hear you guys, you guys could hear me, talking about how good technology is, when it works, and the whole ability to talk. Anybody around the world, when it works, when it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, when you were gone, Ida gave some really good points about building the community of vegan and plant-based, because uh, together in the community, that's really important, and how... She's very much into superfoods these days as a trend. Um, uh, so uh, I also wanted to ask you the same thing about uh, what trends uh, do you see in the yeah, vegan and ethical sector? Sure. Well, I mean, certainly one of, and again, touching on some of the clients we work with, we've seen in the alternative meat um, side of things, a big opportunity and a big growth opportunity. We, um, we have one of our clients currently listed in one of the major retailers in the UAE. And, you know, yes, we expected that for, with Veganuary as that movement kind of happened and there was a big emphasis on that, obviously, within the Middle East and globally, uh, we saw a good uptake of that product. But quite interestingly, we haven't seen the decline. So actually the orders and the, um, I guess the demand has still continued ongoingly. We're still getting the same, the same amount of, um, you know, business that we had at the beginning 
of the year through it. So I think, you know, it is here to stay in that aspect. People looking at alternative meat um, sources and, and what they can provide um, for for consumers for sure. And, and I think there's some quite nice sophistication going on in that in that that side of things. Obviously, most of the people at the moment are imported goods, but I know there's been some um development of local players and people starting to have um you know vegan vegan or plant-based burgers or alternatives that we're also not just seeing in retail but it's starting to also now come into the food service side of things which i think is great to see um in terms of you know some of the bigger bigger chains um now putting um plant-based options on the menu more predominantly as well and again i see that's something that will continue to grow and grow and, and i think that's a good sign of things um to come and that it's like i say it's a trend that's here to stay yeah i mean this is i can see at least one plant-based burger um in restaurants uh, with the uh, beyond meat or any other sort of a plant-based um patty so it's certainly and a lot more vegan options in your general uh, general uh, uh, restaurants. So yeah, that's that's uh, quite a good point. And uh, then if we move on to opportunities, uh, what op other opportunities can the ethical vegan free from sector tap in into this region? So Ida? Um, the region is, like we said, it's very global. So there is always um, someone who is interested in Dubai. It always excites me. Like um, sometimes we take risks. We are like, okay, let's just put this in the menu and see. It always works. There is always a certain target client is interested in that. So I think it gives us all of us a chance to play with the products, with the menus, and taking risks becomes like a play. And um, so it doesn't stress anyone. And I also believe that um, I think we need to be bold. We are in that time of the of our um, lives, period of life. Um, we have a chance at the moment to create new moments and if we are patient enough to educate enough people they will be educating also more so it will be, be, become a bigger and a bigger mo mo moment so um it, these are exciting times for me i'm sure victor is yeah, for sure. Absolutely, for sure. I mean, one of the areas we've actually seen a lot of growth um, recently as well has been in keto-based products across the region. So those that are looking at a ketogenic diet for weight loss, um, we've seen a huge demand. We work with a number of, of suppliers and brands in this area. And I have to say that across the Gulf, um, there's been high demand in that type of product and that type of diet, which I think, again, it's hard to get any concrete statistics on it. But you know, just from the experiences we've had and seeing what's starting to come through on the shelf there, that's certainly another another area to watch, I think, for, for the future. And those those brands that can combine, say, the keto that's you know making sure it's very plant-based and or organic, I think will really kind of win out in, in the in the short term as well. I believe also sugar-free is growing very fast. Um, sugar-free desserts, chocolate. Um, we have uh, people literally asking which which um, sweetener, sugar, or is it maple syrup or this and that. And they are following the glycemic index and everything. So the aware aware clients are also helping us to basically push our limits and um, research more and find new products and produce more things. And I believe um, vegan plus sugar-free will be another movement after all of these. Yeah. And uh, what advice do you have for new suppliers that want to enter this region, you know, Victoria? 
I think, um, and, and we work obviously with a number of brands around the world that are looking to enter the region. I think one of the key misconceptions is that people think that the Middle East or even the, the GCC is is one market. It's very homogenous and it's, it's the same. It's not, I think. And that's a key message to get across that every market is different. Every country is different. You, when you look at both, um, you know, the demographics, their, how, how they are at the moment in terms of route to market and opportunities. So taking every market separately, not trying to assume that that what will work in Dubai will work in Riyadh, will work in Doha, etc. And, and being being aware of that um, is, is a key message. I think as well, you know, registrations, you know, products coming in do are regulated and people thinking that they can easily bring products in and, and you know, get product imported. There's still plenty of rules and regulations to overcome. Um, and, and again, each market is different, have their own regulations um, and being adaptable. You know, you have to look at where the opportunity is and how you can enter that market and being adaptable and flexible in, in your approach to do so. If you really do want to enter and there's an opportunity, um, it's working as always with good local partners, good people in the marketplace who um, who can support you. And obviously, I think there has to be an alignment with the values um, between between all parties involved. So if you have a brand that you're really passionate about and it, the ethical side of it and the free from is very, very important, it's about aligning yourself with the right people in, in the markets you want to work with who also have the same value, energy and passion as well. That That is key for, for success in the longer term because it's not easy um the likes of the uae is obviously very competitive uh, when it comes to products so you have to have something that stand out and you have to have a good partner who can help really uh, bring that bring that across and build the brand with you for sure it's not homogeneous at all <laughs> and yeah, what do you suggest um i want to just add one thing to victoria she basically summarized it perfectly but i also believe that if you're starting small I believe there is an amazing um, connection between small businesses, especially when um, uh, people who started to produce things at home and then when they take that, take that next step and then start maybe renting a kitchen and sharing kitchen and start producing, um, they find each other and they create the small business uh, groups and everything. And that is one of the powerful things, I believe. Years ago, there was only ripe market. Now, um, they're everywhere. And even, um, for example, in our garden, sometimes we do little markets. I, I hear that whoever has space opens some tables. I think that connection, that togetherness is also everything and then people start sharing information there and they learn and they create their own networks and then when they step up and especially their timelines always match then they basically start creating a medium-sized business connection and they continue supporting each other and that's one of the things that i believe helps because of information one of them learns something shares with the other one and then the information flows between them the marketing ideas or um, like I said, like the community approach can also be carried to the businesses and business owners, vegan, there's new vegan entrepreneurs or um, all the female entrepreneurs. All these, I believe, um, are great platforms to share information and create our own network. Yeah, I, yeah, I truly believe that's the beauty of this whole sector, the fact that everyone is so supportive and it's just the spirit of supporting one another, even if it's small businesses and they can show what they have made uh, and word of mouth spread really fast. There's actually a Facebook group in, the, in Dubai called Vegan Take Dubai and it's very active and there are always recommendations in there for different 
vegan products and uh, vegan restaurants to try out. So uh, it's definitely very fast moving, and uh, so people uh, people really do demand it. So yeah. And then when we move on to uh, your prediction for organic and natural products for the next six months, uh, so we can start with Ida. For next six months, um, I think we touch base. I think everything is growing. What I realize is the people's interest in herbs are growing. Our, um, our regular clients are choosing tea over coffee nowadays, and they know which herb is good for what. This happened after pandemic, so that um, we also um, we, we are also challenged to bring new um, tea brands which are ethically sourced and organically produced, and you know. And um, I believe herbs and herbalism is, is growing very fast. And um, like I said, sugar-free is a very big thing. Gluten-free, is it's been a while. It's a very big thing. And trying to put it together, like no lab-produced food, um, like fully plant-based is also another, uh, another thing. I believe for so the next six months, these are going to be growing for sure. Six years, probably. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. I think I think the plant-based side of things will continue to grow across all all segments. Um, that will continue and go from strength to strength. I do think the keto trend is still here to stay uh, for this year for sure. I think um, I think the the more local sourcing aspect um, and on people being more aware of that and looking at options will grow. I think there'll be more players coming in locally um, who can see the opportunity and want to to build on that start something make a difference have an impact um and i think the online growth will continue i think we'll see some new players coming in you know maybe maybe small startups but but really channeling the online platform as their as their starting point for um for supply and uh, and selling selling some really good good products on that on that basis as well Perfect. So we have wrapped up all the questions uh, from our end, and now we will take some audience questions. Uh, so one of the questions that I have got is, um, when it comes to the price point, um, people are asking, why is it higher end right now? And if there is a point in the future that it would uh, become more economical. So this is for anyone who would like to take it. Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I can sort of mention in terms of it's difficult at the moment because the, the, the cost, I mean, there's a number of factors. I think some of the high pricing that we're seeing can also be due to the fact that at the moment it's challenging with regards to unimported goods for sure that the the, the, the transport costs are extremely high at the moment, you know, whether that's being there's a shortage of containers from a sea freight perspective and that is pushing again cost of goods up um, because of the, the lack of lack of supply, meaning that some containers are very, very highly priced at the moment. Equally on air freight, um, obviously there's there's not as much passenger travel, there's not as much frequency of flights. So some of the cargo costs are very much through the roof. We know some of the um, grocery retailers at the moment have paused a lot of their supply from an air freight perspective on short shelf life products just because simply you know it's just not um you know it's very difficult to not become very very highly priced once it reaches the consumer um so i think that's one aspect although one that hopefully in the longer term obviously will come back down again i think the other question is like you say um the cost of healthy goods is is still expensive and at, and at a premium. I think a lot of that is also due to the fact that the, the vast majority is still imported. I think once we start to see more local players coming in, that will help um, 
push some of the pricing down, make some of it more competitive. Um, it, it also comes down to the sourcing of some of those ingredients, um, the processing that's happened with them, that, you know, in certain certain countries and, and markets, that is still a high cost of production. Um, and it's something that is just difficult to, to try and... Um, you know, compete with versus some of the FMCG, you know, fast moving consumer goods, which have the economies of scale um, that some of the more niche products just don't don't simply have yet to be able to bring some cost of goods down. Um, it is tough and, I, and I'm aware and, um, you know, that we need to try and be as competitive as, pro as possible because we want to, you know, certainly passionate from my side to, to try and give consumers a, a healthier choice, which is not going to be a high, um, a high cost financially necessarily as well. You know, you want to be able to try and offer people a, a healthier choice, but without it being a, a hugely much more, you know, two, three, four times the cost of, of a conventional product. But it's still it's still work in progress from my, from my, what I think. And I'm not sure what Edith thinks about it from her side with the sourcing she does, obviously, locally versus anything else she's working with. Um, to be honest, um, I don't find it as bad as before. <laughs> In the last six years, there were um, so many new um, uh, local, um, there's a lot of things locally produced now, especially from our side. We do we do produce everything in our kitchen, so we basically buy vegetables and uh, fruits and then produce. And when we calculate our pricing now, at the moment our prices are quite average when I um, compare it with um, some other organic or healthy cafes or the options in the menus. Um, before people were complaining, oh, it's so expensive. I even found a couple of times myself uh, calculating and explaining to people that how much is this and that. But now it's quite average. So if you are buying fruits and vegetables to a cafe or to your home at the moment, I think they are affordable. Of course, maybe not like one Boham, some certain uh, goods which are very easily accessible. Um, because in some of the products that we use, there's a lot of work behind. Like, um, I don't the, the um, growing dandelion takes two to five years, for example. Of course, the calculations are all different. But I believe it's not like before. I think at the moment, everyone can access at least some part of it. Yeah, for sure. I do feel that uh, it has become more accessible and the prices have become better. And I do feel with scale and with time, uh, the prices will be even more uh, affordable for people. And uh, I have one more question on certification and transparency. So uh, how important is it for a supplier to have that certification that it is beacon and uh, under the regulations here? And also when it comes to transparency on labels and those sort of things, what all need to be included? Yeah, I think, I mean, the whole certification side of things, obviously for organic, that's an absolute must. Um, and obviously working through certification bodies. I think the vegan side of it, um, obviously, it's a choice, isn't it? It's a choice for, for, for the for the suppliers as to how they, if they want to ha have that logo on and what that represents for them. Um, some people choose not to, but, but state on it, on the messaging on the packaging, for example, that it is plant-based, right? There's a whole issue, you know, plant-based versus vegan and, and, and sort of different connotations, I think, with what that means or people's interpretation of, of that, um, which is slightly different. We see more brands talking more about being plant-based, not necessarily being 
vegan per se. Um, I think it feels a more inclusive term um, for people that maybe are not vegan, for example, but wish to have a more plant-based diet. So it's not to say that they're not excluding meat entirely from their their, their diet, or they may be having um, dairy products, they may be having um, a more flexitarian approach, but it, it allows people to still feel that they can consume that without having to be a, a purely vegan product. So I think it's more inclusive. So I think that's something to bear in mind for, for brands um, who are setting up and running and how they want to position themselves. Um, the labeling obviously is, um, again, important. And obviously that's changing all the time um, within the different, again, every market's changing across the Gulf in terms of what their requirements are. You know, obviously there's extra things required now around added sugars, trans fat, cholesterol. You know, there's much more transparency that's coming through on, on labeling to help consumers. Um, you know, there's, there's obviously been talks of the traffic light system coming in as well. And, you know, ways in which consumers can be, you know, better informed, I guess, of what what they're what they're purchasing and what they're potentially consuming. So I think it's important for for brand, brands and suppliers to be, you know, au fait with that, understand what what that requirement is, and make sure that they are presenting um, the right information on their on their packs for anything that's obviously is is processed and packaged up in such a way as well. And anything to add, Ida? Um, I can only add. Um, I believe the. Um, People who are starting their vegan journey, or they are sometimes, you know, for a period of time they want to be vegan, or maybe it's for for a reason of uh, health reason, um, they they are looking for um, these labels a lot. But personally, I always read the um, lists or ingredients or everything anyway, so it was always a habit. And then in time, I believe everyone creates that habit. But in the beginning of this journey, of course, these labels are very important. And also, the the um, the bigger your company is. Uh, um, you cannot go through a lot of um, things in the government without some of these labels. So it is, they are important. Wonderful. So that was a really engaging and interactive session. And we covered so many things, right, from the different variety we need over here to uh, the, the label transparency that's required. And uh, both of you have been absolutely lovely, ladies, and uh, shining. And and um, a big big thank you for you for to, to both of you for taking out your time and um, informing our viewers uh, about everything. Thank you so yeah. much. Absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for uh, for letting us be a part of this. Uh, for all of our viewers, to find out how you can get involved in this um, expo or, or the next. I need to say the next two digital expos or the final show in December, uh, drop an email to info at organicnatural.com and our team of consultants will get in touch with you. And also be sure to check out our portal app.arabianorganics.com where if you go to the marketplace section, uh, yeah, so it's, uh, it's a, we will be back soon. Uh, so you can click on the portal there and go to the, uh, you can, in the marketplace section, you can actually request for inquiries. Uh, there are RFQs which you can request for su to suppliers uh, and uh, there is also an exhibitor section where you can call, chat and message suppliers from all over the world in real time. So this is your place to basically find the suppliers that you want to bring into the region.